It's a movement, but it's about people. Be the People is about we the people joining forces to reclaim and reshape the best of our nation's time-treasured traditions. Each week, we offer insightful interviews with movers and shakers from all different spheres of life. And now, please welcome Dr. Carol Swain. Welcome to Be the People. Today, we are going to talk about something that's near and dear to a lot of our hearts, and that is churches in America. If you want to get a conversation started that's very heated, just talk about churches, your own church, your neighbor's church, what the church down the street is doing. Churches are a big topic of a conversation. Many of us have been out of church for months because of COVID-19. How did your church handle COVID-19? I'm sure that if the church has reopened, that the congregation, the numbers have fallen off. Will those people who have left the church because of COVID-19 return? Well, that's a question we don't know the answer to. But there's something else affecting American churches that's probably much more serious and maybe even the survival of the church in America is at stake. We know that in Europe, the churches have died. Will that be the fate of churches in America? Joining me today is Bobby Harrington. Bobby Harrington has been a pastor for 33 years, and he's also part of an exciting venture uh, called Renew.org that he will be able to talk about in a little bit. But my first question for Bobby, as I welcome him to the show, is what in the world is going on with American churches? Thank you, Carol. It's great to be with you and uh, have so much respect for you. So thank you. Well, I'll tell you what's happening. What's happening in American churches happened before in Canada And before that, it happened in Europe. And it's this massive apostasy that uh, people are turning away from active involvement with churches. And here's the path it usually goes, Carol. People stop attending church, but they'll still claim to be Christian. Oh, yes, I see that. and, And then as they have children or they have time, they still claim to be Christian in kind of a generic sense. Like if you ask them in a survey, are you a Buddhist? Are you a Muslim? Or are you an atheist? They'll say, no, I'm Christian, but they're not practicing it. And then uh, their children will grow up and they won't even claim it. So that like in Europe right now, uh, depending on the country, you know, you've got around 5% of the people who would claim to be Christians and would semi, at least semi-regularly try to attend church. Carol, I grew up in Canada, and uh, Canada's a very interesting story to compare with the U.S. story, because Canada's probably about 25 years uh, ahead of the U.S. So in, ni- in the 1960s, 65% of Canadians attended church regularly. The city that I grew up in and still go there all the time to visit my parents is uh, Calgary, and it's a city of, oh, 1.2 million people. 7% go to church in Canada. So what you're seeing there 
is happening here as well. Well, Bobby, we're looking forward to hearing more about that. And we're going to take a break. And when we return, we'll dig deeper into what's happening in American churches, your church and the church down the street. Hello, I'm Carol Swain of Be The People. I'm proud to endorse Patriot Mobile, America's only conservative cell phone network. After years of dealing with big cell phone companies, I made the decision to support a business that supports my conservative Christian values. Patriot Mobile offers nationwide phone service at an affordable price. Most importantly, a portion of the money you spend is given to organizations that support the sanctity of human life, gun rights, and religious liberty. There are no long-term contracts or hidden fees, and unlimited plans start as low as $25 a month. So do me a big favor. Contact Patriot Mobile at patriotmobile.com forward slash carol or call 972-PATRIOT. When you mention code CAROL, you'll get your activation fee waived and receive a free gift for switching service. Switch today and start supporting a company that supports your values. AmericaOutloud.com is the voice of liberty and justice for all. As we celebrate our four-year anniversary, thank you for making it all possible. Well, should it news deliver truth and inspire us to reach higher? With blogs, podcasts, video, and 24-7 talk radio on our free apps on Apple, Android, or Alexa. We are the vision of the voices, America Out Loud Talk Radio. back with my guest, Bobby Harrington. And Bobby is the leader of the National Coalition of Discipleship.org and Renew.org, an organization that's dedicated to upholding Jesus' teachings. He's our expert today on American churches. And so, Bobby, uh, continue with what's wrong with American churches. And I'm interested in how you think COVID-19 and the fact that they're telling us it's not safe to go to church. And some of our pastors are saying, well, you can do church just as well from home. What does that mean for America and for the church world as we know it? Yeah. Uh, Let me get to the COVID story because uh, when it comes to church attendance, it's not the positive story. Some people thought that it would be originally. Let me just talk to you about, um, people who claim to be practicing Christians. So I want to give you some statistics that are a little bit shocking. So uh, the Barna Group, and they're probably the premier experts on uh, surveying and getting an analysis of the church in the USA, uh, they have surveyed people who consider themselves practicing Christians versus non-practicing Christians or just not Christian at all. So here's the amazing statistic is uh, recently as 2009, 50% of Americans described themselves as practicing Christians. Just before COVID-19, they did the survey again, and it had dropped from 50% in 2009 to 25% in 2019. Now, Bobby. What that means... 
I just want what that means is half the people who were practicing Christians just 10 years ago claim to be practicing now. 2011, I wrote a book called Be the People, A Call to Reclaim America's Faith and Promise. And the data that I, that I cited in that book, you know, which would have been from previous years, said that 78% of Americans, you know, professed uh, Christianity or to believe in God, some form of Christianity. Yeah. And it has just precipitously declined, just like you said. Yeah. So, so let me, um, there's a careful nuance we need to keep here. When people stop going to church, they still claim to be Christian. It typically takes uh, a decade or two before they or their children no longer claim it. So it's super important for us to see that. But let's just look at the stat uh, on the number of Americans who claim to be Christians. Uh, so up to around 2000, 2003, 2005, you had 75 to 80% of Americans who would claim to be Christian. And that's historic. That's, that's been the case uh, since World War II. However, what happened now is that it's down to around 65% who are claiming it, and only 25% are claiming to be, quote, practicing Christians. Uh, that doesn't get into church attendance, which I can get to next. And the important thing about that is when it comes to issues like uh, pro-life, the sanctity of human life, uh, lifestyles, yeah, traditional marriages versus gay marriages, all those social issues, there's a stark difference between Christians who attend church and those who just say they're Christians. Yeah, like you can really see it, for example, uh, 80% uh, of uh, evangelical Christians who voted, voted for Trump in 2016. Now, for a lot of them, that's because of abortion. It's, it's abortion and gay rights uh, or LGBTQ rights. But yes, there is, a, there is very much a correlation. And what we're seeing in surveys of pastors is their biggest concern, Carol, is the decline in substantive beliefs and practices of the members in their churches. Well, that's the reason that in 2011, my book, um, Be the People, A Call to Reclaim America's Faith and Promise, was published because I was so concerned that the majority of Americans professed to be Christians, but when you actually looked at how they lived their lives, the politicians they elected, it was pretty clear that they either did not understand the tenets of their faith or they didn't understand public policies or what was taking place. So I wrote that book that ended with action points at the end of each chapter to try to educate the American public because if you are a professing Christian, you need to be aware of what's taking place in this country and you need to understand your faith principles and what they're based on and if you have a church that has a gospel other than the gospel of Jesus Christ, well, then it's a false gospel. That's good. I'm so glad uh, that you share those concerns. You and I have discussed them personally previously, that there, there's a real problem today in terms of even those who claim to be practicing Christians, a lot of them are not uh, adhering to traditional biblical teachings. 
So I could not agree with you more. Well, Bobby, I know that you have uh, taken uh, action, and I'm all about action. That's why um, my brand is Be the People. The book was Be the People. It's all about action. So would you uh, share with our audience how you are being the people when it comes to trying to educate believers? I sure will. So, Carol, we want to talk about a path that's down the middle it's not a, a middle road in terms of compromise, but it's a middle road between two options that churches are struggling with. So let's describe the road to the left of progressive Christianity. So progressive Christianity is a rapidly expanding movement, and uh, what it is is that people reinterpret the teachings of the Bible so that it fits the culture. And there's certain denominations, which I could name, that this is what they do. Uh, it certainly is what happened in Canada and Europe before that. Excuse so me. I would like for you to name the denominations that have a new gospel. Okay. Uh, so in Canada, the biggest perpetrator was the United Church of Canada. In the United States, the places that tend to do that the most would be for example, uh, the United Methodist Church uh, tends to have many people who do not hold to uh, Orthodox beliefs or an Orthodox gospel. You've got the uh, Presbyterian Church USA. In the 90s, I attended Princeton Seminary for a while. And, uh, uh, you know, just as a sample, uh, one of the very popular professors uh, talk to us about how the Apostle Paul did not write parts of the Bible that Christians had believed for centuries were written by the Apostle Paul, um, but he did get upset with everybody else that gender-neutral terminology was not used to refer to God in chapel that morning. So it's a mindset. It's a mindset where the culture tells the believers what they think. Um, we could, we could talk about certain Lutheran churches who uh, follow that tendency. Certainly a, the Episcopal Church in the USA uh, follows that path very strongly uh, and other groups like that. So, but what's happening, Carol, and, and uh, evangelical Christians may recognize the name Rob Bell. So a little over a decade ago, he was very popular with evangelical Christians, and yet he went progressive. Uh, we're finding, uh, I'm finding every day of uh, very well-known places, uh, seminaries that used to hold to biblical ground that are going progressive. And it's a big temptation because today, if you do not agree with the culture on some of these issues we've been talking about, LGBTQ issues, uh, on a biblical stand on, on uh, marriage, most importantly for us would be the gospel and the gospel is that we are made right with God uh, by the person and ministry and work of Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for our sins, was buried in the tomb, and rose from the dead, and has been exalted to the right hand of the Father where he reigns as King of kings and Lord of lords. And he's coming back to judge all people uh, uh, and is longing to take into the new heaven and new earth everyone who turned to him. That traditional gospel 
is also under tremendous assault because inherent within it, if it's true, it means Islam, Buddhism, uh, Hinduism, and other religions are not true. So that's, right. that's the te temptation to the left, and it's big. It's the temptation. Is. The temptation to the right, Carol, is in kind of a knee-jerk reaction to what's happening. And by the way, let me mention this, just so that your listeners can understand the dilemma of pastors. Okay. So again, uh, the Barna Group, uh, in their report, The State of the Church, um, asked pastors their current concerns for the Christian church in the U.S. You know what the top three concerns were? Number one, watered-down gospel teachings. Number two, cultures shift to a secular age. And number three, poor discipleship models. So what pastors are saying is, we're struggling with this. It's happening everywhere. Now, some pastors in some churches are, are going to the right. They're just holding to kind of a, uh, oftentimes it's, it's, it doesn't have life. It's a traditionalism. It's a old school, not just beliefs, but structures and practices. And uh, that's not very effective. And so we advocate, let me just say this, Carol, at renew.org, uh, we advocate the, the path down the middle of biblical orthodoxy, of upholding the teachings of scripture, of upholding the gospel, but doing it with, with life and love and a focus on discipling people one at a time in relationships the way Jesus did with encouragement, life, and love. We believe that going back to the way Jesus made disciples is the best way for Christians and churches into the future. Okay, now, Bobby, how long have you been doing the discipleship? I'd say for uh, a good 10 years, Carol, we have focused, I would say for myself, I've focused on it every day. I've had the privilege to write many books. I'm leading a church where we have 80% of our people uh, in groups, in discipling groups, and nationally we have 30 organizations with us helping churches to make this focus. Now, Bobby, uh, you're in Cool Springs or Franklin, Tennessee? Yes, but in Franklin, Tennessee, just outside Nashville. And if you wouldn't mind giving the name of your church uh, where you do this discipleship. Sure, sure. Uh, Harpeth Christian Church, right beside the Harpeth River in Franklin, Tennessee. Okay, well, we're going to take another break, and we will continue with this conversation when we return. What if there was a book that took the mystery out of prayer, one that made it easier for people to pray God's Word with miraculous results? There is such a book. Joy Lamb's The Sword of the Spirit, The Word of God is a handbook that has changed the lives of thousands of people around the world. You can order your life-changing copy from Joy Lamb's website, thesowardofthespiritbook.com. Order Joy's book and listen to her audio prayers while you're there. You're listening to Be The People. Dr. Carol Swain is the mind behind Be The People news, radio, podcast, and YouTube. Be The People's mission is dedicated to empowering individuals to think independently, understand their responsibility, and believe in their unique ability to make a difference in the world. Check out Carol's work at bethepeoplenews.com. 
To invite Carol to be your next keynote speaker, go to BeThePeopleNews.com. That's BeThePeopleNews.com. I'm back with Bobby Harrington, and we're talking all things related to the church and in some ways the decline of churches in America. And so, Bobby, we've covered a lot of material about the falling away of the church, and the Bible prophesied that there would be a falling away in the end days. Do you think that's what we're witnessing in America? So this is a really good question, Carol. Let me just say a word about that. Uh, For some of your listeners who may want to look in a Bible, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 talks about the revealing of the man of lawlessness, and uh, the chapter goes on, uh, verses 1 through 12, and describes an apostasy where there's this massive turning away from Christianity. So I think it's a really natural question. Are we living in that time? And the answer is it sure looks like at least in the West, that's the way we're going because of what I described in Europe and in Canada and now in the U.S. The argument against that, though, is that we also see in places like China, where now 10% of the Chinese population claim to be uh, practicing Christians, or in Africa, where Christianity is just spreading rapidly, uh, there's some anomalies to that in different places around the world. Having said that, though, let me tell you what my friends who are experts in church planting and disciple-making point to, is that most um, Christian movements around the world right now are greatly influenced by America and are adapting to a um, civilization of technology and uh, affluence is going to be the path that most of these other countries will go unless something different happens. So my own personal belief is it looks to me like we're heading into the time described in 2 Thessalonians 2, and that is the apostasy. I would agree, and I would also comment that many of the young people that are moving away from the church, it has a lot to do with the hypocrisy they see among their among adults around them, whether it's their parents or church leaders. And whenever there's a scandal involving the pastor or various respected, you know, youth leaders, that too, I believe, leads to a falling away. Uh, Yeah, Carol, my, my opinion is there's two key things going on that the church has not addressed or adapted to. The first thing that I want to mention is wealth. So I call this the Deuteronomy 8 principle. Did you say wealth? Wealth, yes. Wealth Money. and prosperity. All right. <laughs> so All right. here's what happens. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 8 describes it really well. When things go well for us, when we have abundance, Moses literally said, when things go well and you have abundant crops and blessings, your tendency is going to be to say, hey, I did this. It's the work of my hands. And then Moses said this, and you will forget the Lord who gave you the ability to do it. So what happens with wealth, especially when you think of like, we don't see death like people have seen throughout the centuries where it forces you to think about God and 
the uh, what the coronavirus ought to be doing that. Well, let's talk about that though. But it's let not come, right. Let me come back to it. I don't think it is. I, I I don't think it is. So anyway, the first is the wealth principle. So then, what happens is when things are going well with everybody, they tend to think that um, you don't need God, and when you don't need God, and because of your wealth, you have all these opportunities to do all these things, you can turn your back on them, and there's no, you don't experience big losses. Now, commensurate with that is secularism. Secularism is how we have discipled all of our children for a long time. And that is, it's a view of understanding life as though there was no God. And it's not just sort of an atheistic evolution thing. It's every area of life, we train people how to think as though there was no God, and we disciple them or secularize them. So on the one hand, we don't need God because things are going well. And on the other hand, we've been taught how to relate to life without God. And so uh, Kenneth Taylor is a famous uh, philosopher who says that, you know, in the 1500s, you didn't have to tell somebody to believe in God and about the transcendence. They automatically knew because life was fragile. Uh, But now we actually have to help people to see God in their daily lives. So I think you've got those things going on in addition to the ways in which churches haven't done well. Now, another thing that, Bobby, that concerns me a lot is critical race theory and how churches like, I'm a Baptist, I'm a Southern Baptist. Last year at our convention, the Southern Baptists adopted a resolution to use critical race theory and intersectionality as analytical tools to understand race in America. What do you think of that? Yeah, so Carol, uh, let me just say that uh, critical theory, let's just, so critical theory is the broad umbrella. uh, As a subset of that would be critical race theory and intersectionality, correct? Yes. So for your listeners, uh, actually your listeners probably know this better than most people, uh, critical theory is a way of looking at life that is actually based on neo-Marxism. So it's a atheistic neo-Marxist way of understanding uh, everybody as in either an oppressor group or oppressed. And the reality is when churches adopt it, it's terrible. It will only enhance the conflict. It leads to no resolutions. I mean, in critical theory or critical race theory, what is the solution? Well, it's for the oppressed group to become the oppressor group. But the other part of it is that it assumes that racism is permanent and that, uh, you know, white people are born pretty much superior. It's a racial superiority that you have to uh, buy into that's not biblical at all. That's right. And it it also uh, takes away from some key biblical teachings. Let me just mention them because they're... People are not even thinking of these things right now. How about one of the first ones, which is forgiveness? Where is forgiveness in the whole national dialogue right now? Jesus said, uh, as you've been forgiven as a Christian, so you should forgive others. And that includes everything. The second thing is, um, where are we at just in terms of our identity? According to the Bible, our primary identity if we are disciples of Jesus, our primary identity is not 
our race or our gender, but it's our primary identity is we've been made new in Christ. And so all of a sudden what's happening, Carol, is churches are buying in to critical race theory and it's undermining the beliefs of the Bible. It's taking people away from uh, looking at life the way God would want us to and it's substituting in a Marxist ideology. It's not going to go well, and I'm really sorry for every church leader who's taking their people that way. And so, Bobby, would you um, just give our listeners with what you believe they need to know? So you have maybe two or three minutes. Great. Thank you, Carol. It's been great to be with you, and I I just really appreciate you and uh, all that you do and uh, uh, for this opportunity. So here's what I believe, Carol. I I believe that... uh, God can still do a work of revival. You know, throughout history, people have always said, when it comes to Christianity, they thought that things were in their age turning toward the end. Of course, you and I have talked about why that might be happening now. But let me tell you what, it may not be. God might just be ready to do a great work of revival. And even if God doesn't do that for the masses— there are enough Christians in, in this country that if we go back to God and the path of renewal, we can see great things happen for many people that we can bless. So at renew.org, I would encourage your listeners to go to renew.org, and you can see these values there. These values represent the path to revival or renewer, renewal. Um, in the 1970s, there was a famous professor at Gordon-Conwell Seminary who developed um, the six signs of revival. He studied history, he studied the Bible, and we have taken those and added the seventh, and this is what the churches involved with Renew Network are committed to. The first one is renewing by God's Spirit. We just pray and ask God to, to do the work of renewal. Secondly, we follow God's reliable word. We uphold Scripture as the reliable, authoritative Word of God that can guide us for all of life. Thirdly, we call people, we call all of ourselves to surrender to Jesus as King. He's Savior, but He's also King. Number four, we champion disciple-making. The way Jesus made disciples, we think that's the best way for churches to make disciples. And when we're doing those four things, it leads to a community of people who love like Jesus. Jesus said that by this all men will know you're my disciples if you love one another. So we prize loving each other and loving the world. Number six, living in holiness, which means living the right way with righteousness, with good deeds, honoring God. And then lastly, we call all leaders to lead courageously. So to help with that, we provide blogs, we provide videos, we provide ebooks. Carol, we're so grateful to have you writing one of our books for us, and we provide seminars, learning communities, and mentoring groups for church leaders. And that's all found at Renew.org. Bobby, thank you so much for being on the Be The People show. And for everyone else that's out there listening, remember, it's up to us, the We The People, in the preamble of the Constitution, to stand up and be the people who change our nation and our world. And in the case of this show, we need to change our churches. Until next time.